I believe selfish self-care and self-love are three sisters whose job it is to support us in honoring ourselves. What we're used to doing is setting the table with the fine tablecloth, the crystal, the silver, the china, the big juicy steak or the tofu. (laughs) Then here we are standing in the dark in the kitchen over the sink eating the scraps and crumbs. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Fain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Why, hello there. It's your gal, Carly Fain. Tell me if any of this is relatable. You ever get that knee-jerk yes thing that happens where somebody asked you for something and you find yourself saying, sure, I'd love to do that, before you even had a moment to think about it, and then maybe you're feeling resentful later or just swamped because now you've got all these commitments or things that you've got to do that you actually don't find particularly life-giving? Or maybe when it comes to setting boundaries, you're like a lot of my clients and you can feel that you don't want to say yes or you want to stay firm in the moment, but you don't know how to articulate that. You're kind of lost at sea. You're blindsided in the moment of a request or somebody doing something that doesn't work for you. And so then later you're in your car, you're taking a shower and you're rehearsing all the cooler things or better things you could have said to make a boundary. Or... Like a lot of women, the big concern can be pushback when we say the thing we need to say, meaning what if somebody calls you the B word or worse? Or what if you do set a boundary, but then they keep pushing back on it? You've got to reinforce it again and again and again. Well, let me tell you, learning how to implement boundaries for me as a recovering people pleaser perfectionist has made all the difference. And you know that that is why we talk about boundaries here a lot. This is the foundational understanding of boundaries that women who are able to have a career and good health and meaningful relationships all at the same time know how to live into. So we've reached out to one of the authors whose work I have admired for years, Nancy Levin, who agreed to join us here on Messy and Magnificent to talk about setting boundaries that will set you free. And this was a particularly liberating conversation. And that, of course, is the title of her new book, Setting Boundaries That Will Set You Free. She is a best-selling author of several books. You'll hear me mention another one of my favorites in this conversation with her. One thing of the many that I deeply appreciate about Nancy is she walks her talk. Now, formerly the the event director over at Hay House for over a decade, Nancy has gone on to become the creator of the Levin Life Coach Academy, and she offers in-depth coaching and training programs really designed to support people in making themselves a priority and setting boundaries that actually stick. You can expect to walk away from this episode feeling incredibly inspired by Nancy and also having the practical, pragmatic tools to make boundaries that stick. You will know more about who you are and how to articulate what you value both to yourself and out into the world. 
So Nancy, thank you so much for being here with us on Messy and Magnificent. This is a real joy for me. Oh, I'm so happy to be here with you. I was just saying to Nancy before we officially started recording here that her name has been known to me because it lives on one of the books that's near my bedside stand, Worthy, your book that came out a couple of years ago, actually, a few years ago, about boosting your, your self-worth to grow your net worth. And when I heard you had a new book out, I just got way, way excited because it's about boundaries, which our <laughs> listeners know we love to talk about in here. So thank you for bringing a conversation forth about being worthy and boundaries and, and all, the, all the things that are related to both of those for us women who are, you know, at the intersection of having a career that we love, that we refuse to sacrifice our body or our spirit to tend to, right? That we might have both. So thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. You're so welcome. My pleasure. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to dive right in because I'm a big fan of Nancy. And so I have lots of questions (laughs) that like in my mind, in my mind, I interview everybody who writes a book, you know, in my mind, I'm like at night. This is what Mm -hmm. I'm asking. And so I'm really curious if somebody was in the position of being ready to upgrade their boundaries in your experience, what are some symptoms or what are some signs that, ooh, a boundary conversation might be applicable right about now? Yeah. So I believe that the number one telltale sign that a boundary needs to be put into place is recognizing our rising resentment. (laughs) (laughs) I like the alliteration there, recognizing (laughs) our rising resentment. So when you've got three R's, it might be time for a boundary. So talk to me about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm first going to give the way that I define boundaries. So I work with boundaries as the limits that we set around what we will or will not do, will or will not tolerate, will or will not accept. So essentially, our boundaries are what's okay and not okay for us. And boundaries are very personal. So we're always wanting to be able to locate ourselves in the conversation. As I'm sure you find as well, that's the starting point. And it's a very difficult point. For many women, especially, to start to actually locate themselves in the mix. Because if anyone listening identifies as a people pleaser, a peacekeeper, a conflict avoider, a not rock the voter, it's been ingrained in us to actually package ourselves to be digestible to someone else. And so the boundary work is really about recognizing. I am separate from you. I am responsible for me, not your experience. And how do I really stay with the delineation of where do I end and where do you begin? And so all of this comes back to starting with I. And most people want to point a finger outside and make it about someone else. So it's really easy to get into the mode of blame which then puts us in the mode of victim. But when we move into being able to have clarity around our boundaries, around our limits, we're able then to move into the responsibility and empowerment because so also in keeping with sort of the definition of boundaries, the other thing I'll say is that the number one boundary myth that I will bust is that other people cross our boundaries. 
You talk about this in the book and this was yeah. a game changing moment for me, <laughs> like watching the way that you reframe this. So let's go there for a moment because mm-hmm. this is one of those, it was a little sentence that carried a huge, <laughs> huge amount of ahas. And of course, then you expounded upon it within the book. But this idea that the boundary is not being crossed by somebody else, it's being crossed by us. Yes. How did you arrive at that awareness? Like what brought you to understanding boundaries from the perspective of the inside out as, a ver- as opposed to coming at us? So it's really interesting that you mentioned the book Worthy earlier, because for me, the direct line from Worthy into, from the book Worthy into the Boundary book was the experience I had that I wrote about in Worthy of my divorce mediation. So that moment of being in my mediation, not of, of essentially saying yes to things that I wanted to say no to, but didn't know how, didn't know I was allowed, the not standing up for myself turned into a way in which I ended up signing off a, a lot of things, a lot of money, property, et cetera that really went against my grain. So I really said yes and signed off on things that felt wrong to me. But I never, I never stood in my truth. I never stood in my voice. I got to continue being angry and resentful and feel the victim, feel violated, as long as I kept pointing the finger and blaming him from taking it from me. Mm. And once I hit the place of really, I would say like the most groundbreaking realization of my life was the moment when I was able to step into the responsibility of, I signed the paper. I said, yes, I gave this to him. He did not take this from me. I crossed my boundary. He did not cross it. Oh, you have, This is twice where I've heard you already in this conversation use the word responsibility and boundary in the same sentence, It's right? It's the, the boundaries are responsibility. And that's what it is. So, you know, we often, and listen, I hear my clients say it all the time. I set a boundary, but he or she keeps crossing it. Well, of course they keep crossing it. That's what people do. People do what they do. <laughs> so right. the mistake we make is thinking that, oh, I'm, I set a boundary and now you're, I'm going to now give it to you to uphold. I'm going to give it to you to respect I'm going to give it to you to be responsible for. Uh-uh. If I set a boundary, it's mine to uphold. It's my line in the sand to actually put my money where my mouth is around what's okay and what's not okay. And what I'm going to do to take care of myself, because that's really what the boundary is about. The boundary. <laughs> yes, this is this yes. is so exciting, and I hate to interrupt you, but I'm. But no, it's fine. But you're reminding me of when I when I teach about boundaries and I talk about boundaries. Yeah. yeah. One of the number one questions is, what do I do with pushback? Yes. Like, what do I do when people push back? And so you're speaking to that beautifully right now, right? Like that. This is this awareness of we'll have to keep maintaining the boundary. Yeah. Um, it's our responsibility. But I would love. Like from a practical, pragmatic point mm-hmm. of view, can you give yeah. us an example of yes. what that could actually look like? Yes, absolutely. So, and I love getting into the nitty gritty of the language. That's one of my, it's just one of my passions and one of my specialties. And I think that especially having spent so much time with Louise Hay, her language was so precise. 
And it's something that I really value and cherish in terms of what I've learned from her. So first of all, let me say this. My boundaries are always first and foremost between me and me, even if they involve another person. First and foremost, they're between me and me. And then I can assess, oh, is there another person involved? And then I can assess, do I want to share this out loud? Before I share a boundary out loud, I need to be 100% clear that I am ready to maintain the boundary. Otherwise, I'm the little girl who cries wolf. Right, because otherwise we're we're putting forth something that we might not follow through on, right? That's right. In the moment, we tell the kids, wait, I'm going to pull this car over. And then maybe we don't actually pull the car over. And it actually does more damage Mm -hmm. to state a boundary that you don't hold because we teach people how to treat us. So we're teaching people, I don't actually mean what I say. Which is an incredibly dangerous precedent to step. Exactly. More so maybe even than about just that one direct boundary. But this idea exactly you can't trust me to articulate what's true. That's right. And really that comes back to, I can't trust me to take care of myself. That's exactly yes. it, right? So, yes. so yes. this is fascinating to me, Nancy, because I think what we're talking about is we can inadvertently, accidentally, unintentionally take the lack of trust we have in ourselves and, and put it out to other people by backing down from what we know or feel to be true, right? To put something right. out there and then to backtrack on it. And so it re- that's right. like a cycle. Like it sounds to me like the exactly. perfect cycle for doubting ourselves. Like there that's it right. Is. So once we're clear that we want to share, we want to share our boundary with someone else, I really want to make this point because many of us have this idea that if I set boundaries, I'm a bitch or boundaries make me mean or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I like to reframe this to the place where I actually believe our boundaries. So in other words, most people think of boundaries as, as contracting and restricting and depriving. And I actually think of boundaries as expansive. I think of boundaries as the way that we are carefully choosing and consciously curating what we want in our lives. And so when we, when we share a boundary with someone else, we're simply, I like to think of it like we're giving people pieces of our puzzle. We're giving them pages of our operating manual. We're simply saying to someone, here's, here's what works and doesn't work for me. But we're not giving them the responsibility of it. So and what back in to the responsibility. vital distinction that is. Yes. Like what yes. a vital distinction. We talk a lot about boundaries being a bridge. That the right. idea yes. is that it's actually an opportunity to create a pathway back home to ourselves, yes. but an invitation for somebody else to get on the same page. And they may or may not, right? We exactly. can't control that, but it's this invitation. Right. But to see it as, so we're the bricklayers on this bridge then, and we've got to do routine maintenance then. If I take your yes. example, it's like, okay, that it, you, don't exactly just, right. you don't just build a bridge once and then leave mm-hmm. it forever. There's routine maintenance that needs to happen here. Right. So I talk about, and so, you know, I talk about often in this routine maintenance, I'll often say to my clients, you know, you may have to come back and state your declaration 27 times. You know, I often have what I call, I have my clients create what I call their company line, which is sort of just the, the baseline that they come back to so that it's not about defending or it's not about having to justify or rationalize. It's just coming back to what is. So for example, and I'll just take a simple example that is easy to, easy to show with. So let's just talk about, okay, my mother calls me all the time. 
most people think that the way to set the boundary is, mom, don't call me so much mm-hmm. or don't call me when I'm working. Right, right. Most people think that's setting a boundary, that that's the language. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Telling someone what to do. Exactly, yes. And I'm just going to really just go clearly on record here to say a boundary is not telling anyone else what to do. A boundary has nothing to do with anyone else's behavior. Mm, which I appreciate deeply <laughs> because we can't control anybody we else's can't. behavior anyway. No. So like, so to like, we're not in charge of managing everybody else's behavior and response. Right. We can retire from that position, right? Totally. Right. So the boundary really is, I feel really anxious when you call me so often, especially when I'm working. So I'm just letting you know that I'm available to talk to you before 10 and after five. And I will only pick up the phone during that time. Mm. What I appreciate about that is you didn't ask her to do a thing in that example. But you did say very clearly what you were going to (laughs) do. That's right. And so if she calls me again all day long and I pick up the phone at noon, I've crossed my boundary. Right. And then if she calls me, if I talk to her in my time frame and she says, I've been calling you all day. Why haven't you answered? Mom, I'm just reminding you that I'm available to talk to you before 10 a.m. and after 5 p.m. That's the company line. So there's your company line. Like, there it is. You know, the other thing I'm picking up in, in, in this example, Nancy, and tell me if I'm getting this right, is that you weren't blaming her for making you feel a certain way. Because you started with, Mom, I feel anxious when. Not you make me anxious, right? Exactly. So, like, so and am I getting yeah, that right? Yes, like, okay. and that's such an important point in all of this. And again, back to the precision of language. This whole idea that we can make anyone feel anything. You know, it's a beautiful tie-in, first of all, to, you know, you, you said something about this earlier too, remembering that someone else's response to our truth is not our responsibility to manage. Right. To really remember that. The other thing is checking in what is our motivation for doing what we do. Mm -hmm. So especially when we have the knee-jerk yes, for example, another important, you know, conversation when we're looking at boundaries. So most of us are familiar with a direct request coming in and the automatic impulse to say yes. Yes. And sometimes because we genuinely in the moment are excited. I find this for a lot of, you know, my high achieving clients. In the moment, we, we're ge- we genuinely want to do it. We really do. And then, right, we might think about it two or three hours or two weeks later and think, oh my gosh, what did I just commit to? I think that happens because we haven't actually given ourselves the space to consider what has us saying yes. So most people will tend to say yes out of obligation or responsibility, out of, I don't want quote unquote, make someone else mad. You know, this idea that if I say no, someone else is going to be mad, angry, disappointed, and it's my fault. We also say yes, because we want to swoop in and be the hero, the fixer, the savior, you know, the rescuer. So we have to really look at what is underneath our yes. And so I actually advise clients that when a direct request comes in to either say no right out of the gate or to say, I'll get back to you tomorrow. 
This is just a revolutionary idea. And I'm curious if anybody else <laughs> finds this revolutionary. Just the idea of like, we could just set default to no. Like what would happen if default was no? And then with the occasional exception, after you've thought about it later, or you've had a little bit more like time to process, but default would be as opposed to, yes, I'd love to. It's just mm-hmm. either I need some space or yep. a no, not right now. Exactly. I'm going to take some time and think about this and I'll get back to you. But we also can say no with grace and with gratitude instead of excuses, you know, a whole song and a dance and guilt to just be able to say, thanks so much for thinking of me. I'm not available instead of a whole, you know, litany of, you know, my dog ate my homework or whatever, you know, you don't have to give... I was going to say, this, this is back what you spoke to a little bit earlier too, just about the idea of and not having to convince either. So not having to justify a no and not having to convince anybody that our boundary nope. is a good idea, right? That's right. Like, that's like, right. So it's interesting because while there's the responsibility of setting the boundary, it's also incredibly liberating to think about all the things we're not responsible for. Amen. (laughs) It's like that helps, right? Like, okay, to see it as a responsibility, but also realize that should we live into the responsibility of honoring our truth and our needs and setting boundaries, that it's a cause, it's it's a liberating experience. That is exactly it. That's why the title of this book is Setting Boundaries Will Set You Free. It is about the freedom that we will feel when we recognize this. And so I think it's so important to get really clear on the yeses and the noes, getting clear on the underlying motivation, really being able to check in with ourselves the degree to which we are doing things in our lives because what will other people think? What do other people need? How can I go into my overachieving and overgiving to provide? How can I by love. Right. How can I demonstrate my worth? How can I demonstrate my value? You want to, you do want to keep me around because look what I can do for you. And this whole idea. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, to that point too, really recognizing the way in which we determine our value and our worth, which highly likely we have hitched to someone else's wagon. You know, we, we have made someone else the determiner of our value and our worth. And then we go into overdrive of trying to earn and prove that. So part of what I find really critical here is to be able to, it's almost like a three pronged approach to be able to give ourselves permission to consider ourselves and our own needs at least as much as we're considering everyone else. Revolutionary, right? Like crazy idea. Crazy <laughs> that we idea. we consider our own needs. I love how you said at least as much. Um, at least we, as we much. We could dare to really prioritize our own needs. But the idea, yeah. that, like the beginner step is at least an equal amount. Right? At least an equal amount. Because, you know, I often share this metaphor that then clients will say, oh no, that's literally me. What we're used to doing is, you know, setting the table with the fine lace tablecloth, the crystal, the silver, the china, the big juicy steak or the big juicy tofu. (laughs) And then here we are standing in the dark in the kitchen over the sink, eating the scraps and crumbs. That's just it. I used to have a client who would talk to me about how she had five kids and in the Mm -hmm. morning she'd make breakfast and whatever piece of toast was the most burnt would be the one she would eat. Like she'd be there scraping the black, you know, burnt part off the toast over the sink, you know, and that would be her breakfast while she's feeding the rest of the kids and getting out the door. 
And, and that right. was the aha moment for her was like, you know, exactly. What? I'm, just tomorrow, I'm going to have a good piece of toast. Like just tomorrow, I'm going to have right. a good piece of toast. Like that's it. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So the first step is to be able to at least give ourselves a seat at the table. Okay. So I'm a, I'm okay. a visual thinker. So, <laughs> so if you're three pronged approach here, which I love, I love to you know be able to see things. Number one, we give ourselves a seat at the table. Yes. So then the second piece is give yourself permission to consider your own needs and yourself more than you consider everyone else's. <laughs> I love how you're easing us into this, right? Right. So, so then this is really, now you're at the head of the table. <laughs> so first you had a seat at the table and now you're sitting at the head of the table. Yes. What's a practical example of considering your needs maybe even more? I mean, even just the example of, my, it might be my mother's, my mother has this need to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And usually the default is I want to alleviate her anxiety or I want to, I'm just going to pick up the phone. It'll be easier. But really my need is to stay focused on what I'm doing until I'm actually available with mental clarity to have a conversation with her. So there's something really interesting. There's a nuance to what you just said, which to me feels incredibly generous in this example to your mother that now she's not going to get the scattered multitasking version of you that when you are there, you're really there. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so, yes. Like, yes. so like what it's like to think about boundaries as incredibly generous to those that we care about. A billion percent. <sighs> you get me. I get you. <laughs> Vice versa. This is like magic. This is magic. Yeah. Having women to talk to that can understand, you know, what I'm going through, especially the business part. I think that's really the big shift having that tribe there. There's so much wisdom collective wisdom that has come out of this group. I'm grateful for the opportunity that I've been given to be a part of this group. It's always helped me grow and to continue evolving as a human being, as a professional. Um, And for that, I'm eternally grateful. A part of what feels very authentic about our group is that I don't sense any level of comparison or competition. Everybody is so supportive and supported in exactly where they're at and celebrated for that. This episode is brought to you by the real women in the Reclaiming Time studio, the group coaching program I run for the last four years that guides driven career women from being people-pleasing, rule-following overachievers that secretly know that they are capable of more to finally having the time and energy to get to everything you care about without feeling pulled in 10 directions ever again. We use proven methods, but also sisterhood that will give you the resources and confidence to live into your goals. So if hustle is just so 90s to you also, you should know that I only open the doors for enrollment two times a year and we're about to open the doors again this June. I like to keep the studio a really cozy size so that you have plenty of access to me. So if you want to increase your earnings and your nourishment at the same time, go to the show notes or over to carlyfane.com to get the full scoop and apply before it sells out in the middle of June. It was worth every dime I paid for it and it changed my life. Okay, so we've got a seat at the table. We are at the head of the table. And then what's, what's level three? Take, now I want to know. Take me there. Right. So here's level three. Consider my needs before I consider anyone else's. 
Mm-hmm. So consider my needs first. It's consider my needs at least as much as everyone else, more than everyone else, and then first. And because I love how you are so attentive to nuances, I want everyone listening to just pay attention to what's happening in your own mind. Because I never said, don't pay attention to anyone else. <laughs> what but an important I do, distinction, yeah. But, but I just want anyone else listening to recognize if you, if you think you heard me say something like that. You get what I'm saying, right? Yeah, that is that that is not what you're saying, but you are you're, not at all. To me, it sounds like an and. We talk a lot about and. It's a, the both and. Right. This is an much. and situation. Both, both and, because our default is to let me bend over backwards into a pretzel to give you whatever you need, so that you love me, like me, whatever, accept me. And this is actually having me consider what do I need because. I can't tell you how many times I've had a conversation with a client where I've asked a direct question that the answer to begins with I, like that is what the answer begins Mm -hmm. with. And yet the client will start with he or she. So it's an instant default to someone else. Right. And this is the way we make other people and their needs a priority in our own lives. We, We need to actually give ourselves permission to put ourselves back at the center of our lives or put the, ourselves there for the first time so that we stop the out. You know, I almost think about it like, uh, you know, in a stadium, the gigantic lights that are shining down on the field. Right. Yeah. I, I, that's, I kind of think about like, we've got like those lights like shining out on everybody else, <laughs> you know? Oh. And, and it's like, we and have so to we're bring... like in a dark stadium. <laughs> like yeah, there we are right. sitting in a dark stadium. Right. Right. In the middle of the lawn. Yeah, exactly. And so we have to like bring those lights back in. We have to turn the antenna and the attention back here. So instead of automatically going to what does he think or she think, or, you know, what do they want? What do they need to really start with? What do I think? What do I want? What do I need? And to have that, this be the origin point to start moving from. And it is, it, it is a practice, especially, Especially if you, I mean, listen, I lived decades of my life completely other referenced, completely living someone else's life, right. completely, you know, always checking myself against someone else. No delineation of where I ended and someone else began. And so this is really, it's a practice, it's a withdrawal, it's attention, it's building a muscle around locating ourselves and honoring ourselves first. So as you describe this so beautifully, I'm aware of the amount of attentiveness it takes then to make an answer. So it's almost like, think about it like, I don't know, if you're painting a room, you know, and you've got to, um, got to like, you've got to dust the walls, like wipe the walls down first. I'm not a great painter, so I have to put the painter's <laughs> tape up and I yeah. have to like bring the tarps in and do the whole thing. And then the actual painting is like the quick part, right? But it's like all the steps I need to do to get there. And as you're talking about this and everything that goes in to creating a boundary, I realize that, you know, the the request of our time, our presence, our energy is a very quick moment, oftentimes, like the phone call coming in when we're doing something else or somebody walking in your office door unannounced when you're, you know, in the middle of something. But the preparation for knowing how to respond in that moment in an appropriate way is what takes the time. And so I, it gives me really a sense of compassion for thinking, 
why do we think that we're going to know how to set a boundary on the spot? If we haven't consciously paused, dare to pause and get clear about our values and what we care about. So A, like let ourselves off the hook because it is unrealistic to think that we'll Mm -hmm. know how to do it on the spot if we Mm -hmm. haven't. But now that we're aware of this approach, I'm, tell me if, if, if I'm on the right page here, Nancy, but what I'm thinking about is how important it is that right now, like in this moment or as soon as, you know, as we can, that we begin to get clear about why we're saying yes to things so that we are prepared when the moment happens. So we don't wait till the moment of somebody raising their voice to us and that not being okay. And then in that moment thinking we're going to have the answers, but doing the behind the scenes, like getting the painter's tape up now so that it's time to paint. We know, we know what we're doing. That's exactly. And so that's why I work so much around creating your boundary scripts. So you have them ahead of time you know, looking at the hierarchy of boundaries, I've got a boundary pyramid. So you can sort of put the boundaries where they go in terms of, you know, what feels challenging or difficult, begin with your beginner boundaries, begin with the boundaries with yourself, begin with your non-negotiables, so that you are showing yourself that you can trust you first and foremost. You know, there's a progression here, but it, it always is going to begin with coming in to the place of let me let me locate myself first and foremost so that I'm putting the attention here instead of looking outside of me to find what's true for me. This is and, this is so powerful. It's so powerful. And you're you're reminding me of an existing client that I have right now in the Reclaiming Time studio. I'll I'll call her Sarah. That's not her real name. Okay. Yeah. Um, but Sarah just shared this example with us a group of women where she she just had surgery coincidentally at the start of, of COVID lockdown. And so she's been in her home, really in her home for three months because she was, she was rehabbing. And she had the opportunity to go see family for the first time and it made her nervous to go there. But it was just going to be two or three family members for her nephew's birthday. Mm-hmm. So she put her mask on, she was ready, she got there. And it turned out her sister had invited a bunch more people that they didn't tell her about. Right. And she reports back, I felt it in my body. Like I felt it. And then she said, and for the first time in my life, I actually acted upon the feeling. I've been yes. feeling it, but then I acted and I said, you know what? I love you guys. I'm so excited to be here. Doesn't feel right for me. I'm going to go home. And so then Nancy, she talked about how she was proud of herself and she was happy. And she also felt sad and alone mm-hmm. and scared. Mm-hmm. And she's an mm-hmm. engineer by trade. And so to feel so many things to have it not be one or the other was this right. really perplexing. So she shares this post, right? And everyone, everyone in the group is just holding her in their heart and cheering for her. And just a few days later, she's been in the same corporate job for years that hasn't been working for her. She got it, made a clear decision that it was time to leave. And I see the direct correlation there between what you're talking about, it the chills. confidence building, because yes. we know from research that the only way we build confidence is through self-efficacy. It's not through yes. mantras. It's from seeing ourselves do the thing. So she did this seemingly looking small thing that felt huge to say to her family, you know what? This isn't working for me. It doesn't feel right in my body. Going to go home. I'm going to sit with all these feels. And then just a few days later, her confidence was up. And she's like, why am I in this place where this doesn't work for me? Like I, I could apply other places. And she's begun that process, you know, of just, of just looking around, you know, applying for other things. So I hear you talking about what sounds like building of confidence that happens. Like you said, start with the low risk scenario, start with the small boundary and mm-hmm. let that lead in to a bigger. So here's a question that I, I get all the time and I would love to hear you speak about. For anybody who's listening, this is like one of the number one concerns I get is, 
but what if I look selfish or am I, I my selfish? favorite question? <laughs> well, we got to go there because I know somebody listening is like me and would think, well, what if I, am I being selfish? And like, and I have a framework for that, but, but, but I'm really curious, like when that comes up, what's going on there or what do you see going on around that? So first of all, I'll say I am personally, I'm like on a crusade to reclaim selfish. So I believe selfish self-care and self-love are three sisters whose job it is to support us in honoring ourselves. Oh, can you say that again? Because right I there, can. Like that's, that's I can. it. That's it. That's I everything can. right there. Yes. Selfish, self-love, self-care. Three sisters whose job it is to support us in honoring ourselves. So here's the deal. I'm, I'm going to do my best to keep this concise. So especially as women, we have disowned the quality of selfish. We want to disidentify from selfish. I'm not that. And anything we, we disown will show up in the people around us to reflect back to us the parts of ourselves that we've disowned. So it's highly likely if you are listening to this and you've disowned selfish and you can feel in your body right now, and I love that you talked about the body because I talk about that quite a bit too. If you can feel in your body this, this idea of being selfish and it's repellent to you and you're, you're resistant, I am not selfish. I want you to look at the close people in your life and also notice how often and by whom you're triggered by for their own selfish behavior. So how often are you pointing a finger, whether literally or in your own mind of he's so selfish, you know, they're so selfish. So the more we disown equality, the more it's going to pop up outside of us and someone else to just simply hold up a mirror for us to be able to reclaim that quality. So it's important for me to say here, no quality is good or bad, positive or negative. Qualities themselves are neutral. And then we attach, we attach a charge. As we've grown up, we've learned somewhere along the way, it's bad to be selfish. Selfish is bad. I'm not selfish. And then I attract all these selfish people toward me. And then I'm left thinking like, when is it my turn? When do I get what I want? When do I get to have what I want or whatever it might be? Right, right. This, so, you're framing this to me. <laughs> I could see this being like, if we dared to have 3% yeah. more fun with boundaries, I could mm-hmm. see this being an, an experiment. Like if, if yes. our concern is being selfish and yes. we dare to create a boundary, will we see less selfishness around us? Like, will we, like, wouldn't yeah. that be interesting just as an experiment? Yeah. Try it on like yeah. a hat. Like yeah. as, as we honor what's true for us, then yeah. what are we seeing reflected around us? Exactly. So, because here's the thing, we are everything. So we are every quality. So I am selfish and I am selfless. I am both. But if I disown selfish and I'm left only with selfless, I've disappeared. Yes. I vanish. Yep. In selfless, I vanish. Yeah. So it's about the both. It's about I am, you know, and this can be done across the board with any quality. We also want to look at what are we doing in our lives to overcompensate for the existence of the quality we're disowning. So how are the ways that I am consciously or unconsciously trying to actively prove that I am not selfish? 
And then yeah. this is where the overgiving, this is the people pleasing, this is the peacekeeping, all of that. And this comes so, back to worthy for me too. Mm-hmm, and, and, and in terms of being worthy, big as time. I think about like some of my clients, we have a lot of conversations around money, you know, and because and, money gives us a great opportunity to feel all sorts of things as, as women. And, and I know some of my clients who do start to make more, or maybe they've had more to begin mm-hmm. with. They have an inheritance or they had something that mm-hmm. came through another yep. person to them. And there's such an immense sense of, of guilt or embarrassment yes. or worry about yep. being selfish that they overgive and deplete That's right. themselves. They're yes. always giving gifts or they're giving yes. all their time and all their energy away to somehow compensate for feeling exactly. like they're not worthy of having what they exactly. have. Right. These two, you know, they're so intertwined. There's so much connection between, between both of them. Nancy, I'm just curious, you know, yeah. and, and then and we'll move on to the two way Q and a, but I'm, but I'm curious for you, what brought you to publish this book now? But why was now the time to talk about boundaries? What was coming through you that said, this is, this, this is the moment for this to be brought forth? What I kept seeing is that, I mean, in boundaries, it had a place in all of my books prior. So in Jump In Your Life Will Appear, there's a chapter on boundaries. There's a piece on boundaries and worthy. In Permission to Put Yourself First, there's a big piece on boundaries. And then what I noticed is that it was the it was the conversation people were wanting to have the most, that they had the most misconception around. Still, again, this idea that it was someone else's job to honor my boundaries. Yes. And so, you know, you picked up on it right away at the beginning. Standing in the responsibility is everything to me because it's the only way I'm going to be able to create the life that I most desire is if, is if I'm in action around the choices I'm making and the actions I'm taking to do that. And uh-huh. so the ball, the ball's in my court and I want the ball in everyone's court for their own lives. <laughs> well, they, I think that's really, you know, it's interesting to point that out too, that there's this idea that, that, that there's plenty for all of us, that if like, <laughs> that we can all have a ball in our court, there's no shortage of balls, right? right? That like us taking care of ourselves does not limit anybody else's ability to take care of themselves. In right. fact, it might empower them to do the same if we're not there fixing it all, right? If we're not reinforcing them the idea that they need us to do everything, they might exactly. have the opportunity they, to yes. have that sense of confidence and self-efficacy too. Like, I can, oh, I can do this? Oh, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's an important point. And I talk about this a lot in Worthy too around, you know, the zero-sum game. If you have, I go without. And that's what we often think instead of really looking at, oh, if you have, it means it means it's possible for me to have also and oh, to be able to come at that. It's possible for me to have also. Cause I think yeah. the importance of this conversation about boundaries is many fold, but part of it is that this is not something that most of us have had modeled for us. I don't right. think anyone. Has. Yeah. Not in a healthy way. Right. Especially, no. especially for no. women. And so I think that a, we give ourselves grace because we're pioneering something together that we haven't had modeled for us and also the gift of when we live into it that other people could learn from it. So with that, Nancy, I thank you for living into this conversation on boundaries, for modeling what this could look like and allowing us all to go there. Would you be willing to do a quick two-way? Sure, 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 sure. As we wrap up. So these are just fun questions that people post in advance. Yeah, why not? So what is one thing that maybe felt like a mistake when you were doing it, that you are now so thankful <laughs> that you did? Oh, I mean, this is a big, this is a big answer <laughs> to, to a seemingly benign question. 
And so for those of you who don't know my whole story, it's actually in all of my books, but I will say that I, that the very simple answer to this is having the affair that ultimately blew up my marriage 10 years later and was really the greatest opportunity of my whole life. So if you were just kind of thinking about reading Nancy's books now, I know you want to go read the whole thing. <laughs> it's, it's very juicy. Well, and thank you for, for modeling radical honesty. Like there it is. And, then, yeah. and like talk about a both and and situation, right? And to yeah. not give it a charge and to be able yep. to say, and this happened. Yep, yep. I, there, yep. I have gratitude and learning that, that came yes. to I mean, I, I would never have left my marriage had my, my now ex-husband if he hadn't read my journals. So again, mm-hmm. I said, it's pretty a juicy story. You know, I would never have left my marriage. I would not have left my job at Hay House. I wouldn't have become a coach. I wouldn't have written five books. None. I wouldn't be talking to you if he had not read the journals. Wow. So I am incredibly grateful that he read the journals, even though, you know, my greatest fear was any sort of exposure. I know that I wrote about the affair in my journals. I, I set a bomb that detonated about nearly a decade later. And I'm grateful beyond belief. What a wild gift to give yourself. Inadvertently. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure as you were writing that, that was uh-huh. not what you saw coming uh, to fruition. No, that would be no. <laughs> oh, thank you for your, for uh-huh. your honesty. I appreciate yeah. that so much. So what's one thing you're good at, Nancy, that maybe other people wouldn't know? So we know you're, you're good at boundaries. We know you're good at you know, talking about worthy and, and encouraging people to take steps and to take leaps. But what's something we might not know that you're good at? Wow, what a, what a fascinating question. <laughs> we should start sending these to people in advance. <laughs> I, it's funny because I'm sitting here thinking like, it's not about, it's not that I have any feelings about naming what I'm good at. It's not that I'm shying away from what am I really good at. It's more that nothing's like jumping into my mind (laughs) aside from, aside from what I was saying before about the languaging. And I do think that that is one of my superpowers being able to, for me and for others, articulate things in a way that diffuses potential tension. So it's like de-escalating. De-escalating, The way you could be in conversation is Mm de-escalating. You know, just before we started the live recording, Nancy, when you were talking about your new program and finding your due north, just that phrase of finding your due north, I mean, right there, talk about a a dropping in energetically. Can you talk a little bit about that program? Oh, you're so sweet. Yes. So I'm offering, it's a four-day experience. It'll be through Facebook Live. And it's June fifteenth to the eighteenth, so it's so it's today available. the day this today is coming out. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> and um, you can simply go to nancylovin.com/journey, and it is it's about finding your true north, and it's a four day journey to reconnect and rediscover you. And so I, what I'm doing in this experience is I have something I call my transformation equation, mm-hmm. which is change equals vision plus choice plus action. So in order to make a change, in order to make a change, we have to have the vision, make a different choice, take a different action. That's how change is going to happen. It's really the only way I think change happens in my own experience. So in this four-day journey, we're going to take the transformation equation sort of step by step 
in terms of change, vision, choice, and action over the course of the four days. Oh my and gosh. So, so if you're thinking about wanting to upgrade your boundaries, to me, this sounds yes, like this is where exactly. you begin. If we're talking yes. about when am I going to create the space to get clear how I honor myself and why I'm saying yes to things, you yes. actually literally created the space. There's four days coming up. There's four days coming up. And again, nancylevin.com slash journey. And if you're brand new to me, this is a great this is a great way to, for us to connect and for us to really get into the conversation. Ooh, I'll put a link to it in the show notes too. So Thank people you. just, wherever you're, you're listening so in, you can just, you can just click. Yeah. Thank um, you. Okay. I've got one more question for you. Oh, okay. Two more questions for you, Nancy. So what is one thing that even if other people disagree, you know, is true? I think it comes back to the piece around selfish, the piece around what I know is true is that if I make myself and my needs my top priority, everything in my life will fall into place the way that I want it to. My relationships, my circumstances, my situations, my fulfillment, my purposefulness, my meaningfulness. If I make my needs top priority, everything falls into place. Oh, wow. Talk about... I've got to come up with a better word than the de-escalating. It's like a dropping in. It's an arriving. Yeah. There's certain yeah. things when you say them, I just feel like yeah. I arrive oh. in the moment and here we are. So last fun question for you. If you came with a warning label, what would it say? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the old, like, you know, the shampoo bottle has this, like, a I know. Like, yeah. what would, what's your warning label? It's funny. My warning label first is just, she's really, really loud and has no idea how loud she is. <laughs> <laughs> like bring your own ear protection, right? Like, yeah, that's my warning label. Like you are responsible for your own ear protection. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, thank you for sharing your voice with us. So now we want to hear from those of you listening, Nancy, What's a question you would love to ask the audience to keep this conversation going based on what we've talked about? What do you want to know about them? So in keeping with what I, what I was sharing earlier about the transformation equation, the, the question I have is what small micro choice, bite-sized, doable, realistic choice are you willing to make in order for the change you desire to happen. I want to know that too. <laughs> so what <laughs> small, doable, practical, I love that, like taste of, mm -hmm. a, of a shift could you make, action mm -hmm. could you make in order yep. for change to happen? So yep. if you're listening to this episode, go to social media, tag myself in this. I will share it with Nancy. We want to continue this conversation. I want to hear for you in your life because we're all so different. What one step would make a difference right now? Exactly. Nancy, thank you so much for being here for this conversation around boundaries and all of your work around worth. Um, and I really do. I encourage anybody. We'll make sure we put links in, in the show notes to connect with Nancy's work. If you're feeling like you need more time, more energy, more space to breathe or process, she's your gal. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Woo! Well, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Nancy as much as I did. And I want to hear from you, really. What is one small micro step that you are going to make 
to honor what you know to be true and the boundaries you're going to set around that. And remember, this is a practice. And whenever we're practicing something, we thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Give yourself some grace. Stay in alignment with what you value, including yourself. And I will see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.